Remembering Sherriam's instruction, Nynaeve tottered forward and knelt before the Amberlin. It was she who held the last chalice, and she tipped it slowly over Nynaeve's head. You are washed clean of Nynaeve Almera from Emmons Field. You are washed clean of all ties that bind you to the world. You come to us washed clean in heart and soul. You are Nynaeve Almera, accepted of the White Tower. Handing the chalice to one of the sisters, the Amberlin drew Nynaeve to her feet. You are sealed to us now. Hello. I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 19 to 23 of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read past chapter 23, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Great Hunt or the next 12 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 23, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. All right, this week's chapter summaries from DragonMountain.com. Starting off, after days of waiting, Rand's party spots Fane's campfire. They sneak down and recover the horn and Matt's dagger, then ride for Kyrian. Rand's party passes a dig site where a huge statue is being unearthed. The statue resonates with Sidene, tempting Rand to seize it. He resists. Rand's party stops at an inn, where Rand is again mistaken for a lord. He plays the flute, drawing the attention of a Kyrianan captain, Caldevwin. When Caldevwin offers to escort the party to Kyrian, Hiran warns Rand about Day's Demar, the Kyrian in Game of Houses. Selene vanishes, leaving only a note. Moraine studies old texts with sisters Adelius and Vandine. She informs Lan that should she die, his bond will transfer to a green sister named Myrel. A drag car attempts to kill her. Neither she nor Lan could sense it. Nynaeve is taken to a room with three silver arches a Turangrial, which she must step through and return to become accepted. Inside the first arch, Nynaeve is chased by, then chases and confronts Agenor. Through the second, she finds Emmons Field in the hands of a sadistic wisdom. Through the third, Lan is her husband and begs her not to leave. Okay, there, this section is packed. Yeah. Rand gets up to some stuff and then up to more stuff. Uh, Moraine is attacked. And Rand, uh, not Rand, uh, Nynaeve is tested and becomes accepted. Yeah, a lot happens. So much happens. And fortunately, the different viewpoints, Rand, Moraine, and Nynaeve, are all in order. So we don't need to do any jumping back and forth when we're talking about them. Nope, they broke it up nicely Yeah. this time, which was helpful. It is. Uh, this book has generally been a lot more, a lot, a lot nicer in that. Yeah, the breaks of us breaking it into sections are a lot cleaner this time around. Yeah. Which makes for nicer chunks of reading. Yeah, so let's pick up with Rand. They, when we last left them, they had just kind of gotten out of this, like, portal world. Yeah. Through the stone. And they think that they are a couple, you know, days ahead of Fane, and then also by extension, Ingtar and the rest of the Shinarans. Turns out that's true. They were waiting for, I think, quite a while for Fane to catch up. Yeah, Rand eventually was like, okay, we're going to wait one more day, and then we're just going to take Selene to Kyrian. Right. Turns out, good choice, waiting one more day, because Fane shows up. And with him is the horn and the dagger. 
everything they're looking for. Right. So Rand is basically convinced, not that it takes much convincing, to go and steal the horn right out from Patton Vane. Well, they aren't necessarily sure what they what they see fire in the distance and yeah. they aren't fully sure that it's going to be Pat and Fane, but Rand is pretty sure it's Pat and Fane. He's Taviran. It's gonna be <laughs> and he knows he's Taviran, so he's kinda like, Well, I'm the main character in this story, so might as well go and do might this. As well, this might as well happen. Yeah. And so he he sneaks off with Loyal. He takes Loyal, because Loyal can see at night very well, because he's got the big Ogier eyes. Right, and Heron stays behind to protect Selene. Yeah, uh, Rand initially wanted both Loyal and Huron to stay back, but Loyal talked his way into accompanying Rand on what was a very dangerous mission. And it's a good thing, too, because Rand can't carry that... No. Chest by himself. Right. I don't know what he thought he was going to be doing there. I have no idea. Well, okay, Rand Rand has a big case of needs to get laid in this section. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to do everything by myself, and then maybe Selene will want to sleep with me. Which Not explicitly. Sh- he doesn't say that explicitly, but that's the theme. It gets as close to that as this book seems like it might later when they're at the inn, and he thinks about knocking on her door. Right. And he's like, oh, God, no. Yeah. And she, like, undresses near him. Yeah. He, like, she starts to undress and then he's just like, nope, nope. turning around. I am preserving your modesty. And she, like, tells him to, but then she just starts at it anyway. Yeah. She's like, you can turn around now. Starts taking off her dress. Yeah. Well, it's like, that's that's a move. That's, you can do that. That's a move. I don't... Celine seems to have plenty of them. I also don't think that she'd necessarily need them, especially with Rand. No. I mean, she does seem... Her description is of somebody who is beautiful enough to where it's just gonna... Just her presence is enough. Right. Like, fucking loyal is like humans, though. <laughs> and Ogier are not not into that. Right. So, uh, yeah, Celine's got got some moves that she pulls on Rand and also generally is just convincing him to take the horn for himself. And so he goes and he takes the horn. And he proves two things here. One, that he is seemingly just about as sneaky as anybody from the Two Rivers is because he gets into that camp of Trollocs easily. Well, I mean, the people from Emmons Field are sneaky. That is why Lan fell in love with Nynaeve. So he, he gets into the camp and he steals it. And the entire time he's like in the void, which we kind of get confirmed here. That's what is hiding him from Patton Fane. Yeah, because last time I was kind of, it could go either way of being in the void is how Fane finds him or being in the void is how he protects himself yeah. from being able to be found by a Patton Fane. And here, every time he like wavers in his hold on the void, Patton Fane either stirs or when he loses it for a moment, Patton Fane's like, he's here. Yeah. So it's very clear that the Void is hiding Rand from Patton Fane. Yeah. And he, I think, in a very realizes that as well because he's like literally right next to Patton Fane. He touches the dagger and Patton Fane doesn't know it. But the second he, he feels himself lose hold of the Void and then Patton Fane stirs and he's like, Oh, shit. Yeah. And then he Part claims of, it again. So I'm, I'm wondering now a little bit is, would anybody else holding, uh, touching the dagger have 
alerted Paddenfane. Paddenfane has a connection to that dagger through whatever the fuck happened to him in Shadow Logoth. Stronger than, like, Matt's connection, right? Yeah, I don't know. Or I at least it's... different than Matt's connection. I think it's... He has a different connection because he was already evil when he touched it, too. Right. And but he has he... a different connection because, like... So we get into this a little bit later with Moraine asking questions of Valdine. Is that who? Vandine. Vandine. She asked Vandine a question about, like, why would a Fade take something from Shadar Logoth? Yeah. And Which is the wrong question. She asked that question, and the answer is that there's not really a good answer for it. Because the Shadar Logoth is tainted with energy that was used against the Dark One. So Padden Fane's connection to this dagger is very different because he's he has a bit of the Dark One in him. It kind of seems because he was he's, he's been he's been touched. By he's the been dark touched one, by the Dark One, and now he has this thing from Shadar Logoth right. that is but affecting he... him and also affecting him in a different way because he has Dark One energy in him. He also was face to face with Mordeth. Yeah. And I, I, I'm what I'm saying is that I think his connection to the dagger is is different, partially because of his connection to the Dark One. And that, I think, is what's not killing him, is because he's got these two things going on. He's got maybe even three, if we count the Black Wind. He's got, he's got Dark Friend stuff going on, he's got Mordeth stuff going on, and he's got Machin Shin stuff going on. And I think the Mordeth stuff is why he's stronger with the dagger. Mal was always weaker with the dagger. Yeah, he Patent was. Patent thing is terrifying with it. And I'm wondering partially if maybe why he's a little bit stronger with it is because anything that the dagger is... Like, the the dagger clearly weakens the subject that holds it. Mm-hmm. But since he's tainted with Dark One energy, maybe the dagger is focusing on that. It could be. He seems to be getting further from... He's like driving Trollocs like... I, I don't know what the right word here is, but he's driving Trollocs in a way that's not very Dark One-y. He's driving them like he, he could care less about. If they died, they wouldn't cause him a problem. He killed a Fade. Yeah. Dark Friends wouldn't kill a Fade. He's using them as, like, pure tools and not as resources. Yeah, they're a means to an end for him, and I don't know what the end is. I don't think we want to know what the end is for Pat and Fane. But anyway, so given this, given Pat and Fane's enhanced and changed connection to the dagger would somebody who wasn't able to enter the void or whatever the like I said I equivalent of entering the void is would anybody touching the dagger a normal person touching the dagger alert patent vein I don't know I feel like the only reason he's I don't think he's alerted to someone touching the dagger as much as he was alerted to just ran. Rand. yeah because whatever happened to him in um the pit of doom right was it gave him the ability to track Rand. Because I don't think that the I don't think that the connection that Patton Fane has with the dagger is that different from Matt's. And Matt is never alerted when someone else tries to touch it. No, that's true. But in any case, Rand Rand touches the dagger, which is probably not great. Probably not great. I feel like the, it's, it's uh, the that way was kind the of dumb. Is now that was a, that was a hit with. The dumb stick, not the idiot stick. You just like yeah, got like bonked on the head a little bit because like you could have wrapped your hand in something before mm, reaching out. Right, and I, f- what I feel like pulled your shirt sleeve down. Like yeah, I feel like even with that, and and Rand was dumb because he had no real reason to think this. I think that since the dagger has been taken out of Shadow Logoth already, whatever effect it has is going to be muted on somebody who doesn't already have a connection 
to it somehow. So I think the two people who will have the most impact on and lasting impacts on are going to be Pat and Vane and Matt. Yeah. For Rand, it's like touching something bad. It's not, once you're not touching it, it's not going to do anything more to you. That's possible. I just think he's dumb. Well, like, he doesn't he's know Rand. that. He's Rand. He's dumb. He doesn't Rand know that. Rand has no reason to believe it. Exactly. But I think it'll be fine. I, he also puts it, like, he puts it in the chest with the horn. Yeah, which is a good move. Which is a good move. It shields it so that they, they real like, once they close the lid to it, they're like, they have a sense of relief. Like, yeah. they don't feel this weird energy coming off of it anymore. Right. And I think that, that kind of... I, that backs up my thoughts of it's just bad for Rand to actively be touching it. Once he's done touching it, he can like heal from it. It's That's not gonna, it's not going to cause like lasting problems. It's just going to cause problems that can be healed. It also could possibly be he's a dragon reborn. Maybe he's somehow protected from it. That's true. He's the main character of a novel. He would he, be. The he one does who... have main character powers. Right. Like, even more so than, like, Matt and Perrin, who have main character powers because they're Taviran. He has, like, extra. Rand is a a main character's main character. Right. Taviran shit's weird. But he he gets the dagger and the horn, and towards the end, he slips from the void. Just for a moment, because he gets it back. Right. And Fane finds him and starts screaming and alerts all of the Trollocs, and and it's like, he's over there. And Trollocs go after him and Loyal, and he tells Loyal to take the chest and run. And he, then he he turns around and, like, fucking anime kills, like, five Trollocs. He goes pretty hard on the Trollocs. He clearly listened to Sora Dad. Yeah, in a big way. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of Land's teaching took much more effect on Rand than it would have on somebody else, because he didn't have to teach Rand the focus of the void and i have to imagine for somebody like lan that first step is the longest step it's like teaching someone how to meditate right it just that takes a lot of energy to explain to someone how that concept operates and it's something that can take a person years to master so he's already mastered the void i think what also something that lan had commented on with rand is that before he even knew how to use the sword, he carried himself as if the sword was an extension of him. Right. Whatever Tam taught him was just such a solid foundation that Land's teachings could be accelerated. Because, like, something that you probably also have to teach someone when thinking of swordsmanship is that you can't think of the sword as separate from your body. It is part of you. It moves with you. And maybe it's just Rand's emotional connection to this specific sword could be because it's it's the only connection he has to his father and now he realizes that tam isn't his biological father right but he's holding on to it right and now it's also his only connection to the normal life that he wants yeah so i think that also contributes to the fact that he was able to so quickly pick up Land's teachings. If they, if Land had given him a different sword to practice with, it might have taken a little bit longer. Well, I mean, they they, they use training swords. They're not yeah. they're not insane people training with live blades. But I think Land Land isn't even that crazy. No, Land's not that crazy. But I think that he like Rand already had one the void and two that just the way of carrying yourself when holding a weapon. Yeah, 
that th people don't typically have the first time they pick up a yeah. weapon. I think here we also get a little bit of a taste of something about being able to channel, even if he isn't actually. Because he spends like the whole fight not channeling and not even holding Sidene. He's just aware that it's there. And something about that drives him to be better. It's using like the it sword. grounds him. Yeah. Almost. In a different way than the void, which calms, but it's like Sidene is this ever, it's like an anchor. Yeah. Which is different than the void. Right. And Because it's like this point that he pivots around. Yeah. And then at, like, at this point, when he's facing down these Trollocs, it's like all of that stuff kind of like comes into focus and he's able to just slaughter them. He doesn't even get touched. No, he doesn't. Way back, way back, at the beginning of book one, when the first Trollocs attacked Emmons Field, he struggled to accidentally kill one that wasn't trying to kill him. Yeah. And here he just effortlessly dispatches five and starts running away. Yeah. He just, he's like, I'm going to kill five and then nope off. Yeah. So, so my question here to you is how close to earning the herons on his blade do you think Rand is? Um, I think technical wise, he might be pretty close. Okay. I think character development wise, he's pretty far. What do you mean? Because there's being a blade master isn't just having the technical skill. It's like owning that you have that technical skill. Okay. And owning that you are and not having like this imposter syndrome and like I... sort of thing. And I think he just doesn't have that emotional maturity quite yet. I don't necessarily agree not that he doesn't have the emotional maturity because it's rand he doesn't i don't necessarily agree that thinking you have the right to be a blade master is what makes you a blade master i think it's i think it's just skill with a blade i i have, think has that... it been mentioned how you get a heron marked blade no okay I, I don't remember if that had been mentioned or not at least not that i remember like okay. it if it has been, it didn't stick in my brain because I didn't think it was important. Okay, I, I think it may have been at the beginning when, when he was t when Lane was talking about the sword. Yeah, I tuned that out. I don't care. About there it. are basically <laughs> two ways to be a blade master or to become a blade master. Either you have to defeat one, or I think like a couple blade masters have to agree that you are a blade master. And that's why I think like it's not just having the skill. I think it's also like I think for that later option, you're entirely right. Lan is not going to say that somebody can be a blade master if they don't think that they can be a blade master, right? But for the first option, if you beat a blade master in combat, it doesn't matter whether or not you think you're you're worthy of being a blade master. You did it. I think I think also though you would have to have a certain amount of confidence in your skill in order to beat another blade master. I mean, unless it's at, in a battle, unless you have to do it in order to live. Yeah, that's a whole different circumstance. But like. I don't know. I just, I don't think he's close. That's fair. It's not in his character arc yet. Sure. Totally fair. Just asking because he did kill five Trollocs pretty easily. I think that that doesn't like that doesn't mean that he's a Blade Master. I think that means that he's, he's just, just good. He's just good. Yeah. There's probably at least one level in between random backwoods fucker and a landman dragon. There's at least four stages. Yeah, because Land is, Land is like a grand Blade Master. We, we have no idea where Tam is, but Tam's probably not where Lan is. Right. Although and... they kind of have, in terms of, like, using a sword energy, they kind of, they do have similar energies. I don't, I don't know. You remember. haven't interacted that much with Tam. But, like, Tam's very much just, like, I'm going to do what needs to be done. 
Sure. And that's Lan. Lan just happens to think that what needs to be done is I need to go suicide my way into the Blight. Anyway. And Lan will suicide himself into the Blight, which is partially why Moraine does what she does later. Yeah. So there's there's more Rand bits. There's... Lots of stuff happens here. They keep going. They get the they get the horn and they're like, we're gonna go to Kyrian. Because Celine says they have to, for some reason that I don't remember. I actually don't remember that either. But she's like, we have to go to Kyrian now, and he's like, okay, I'll follow think, you into the sunset. I think is the reasoning that Ingtar and them are just gonna go to Kyrian anyway. Like they're not gonna be able that's... to find them, so they're just gonna end up at the the big city. I think so. That that might be part of it. Um, she also tries to convince him to throw the dagger away. And he's like, no, my friend needs it. And she's like, basically like, fuck your friend. And he's like, no, no, no. And almost, almost that's fair. The dagger is a very, very, very dangerous thing. But she doesn't really know that. She, I mean, she knows, it's definitely one of those things that people know it's bad. Yeah. And people have like an instinctual, like, this is bad. I just don't trust her. That's fair. She does vanish. She She just just, like nopes off in the middle of the night. And like they were watching the inn. That's true. I just don't trust her. She was going through Rand's saddlebags at the beginning. Yeah. For something. She said it was just to find something so that she could change into while she cleaned her dress. I don't trust that. Okay. Like she keeps getting really mad every time that Rand asks her if she's Aes Sedai. Yeah. And not like in a, no, I can't channel, why would I be an Aes Sedai? Like in a very defensive. Yeah. She's like very defensive about it, which is, which is, which is suspicious. And there's just a lot about her that's suspicious. That's fair. She showed up out of nowhere in a mirror world. And she's just too pretty. Too pretty, don't trust. (laughs) Too pretty, don't trust. (laughs) Okay, sure. There's something going on extra. But she fucking plays Rand. She does. She plays loyal too. Yeah, she plays all of them, but none she, more than Rand. I mean, I think she plays loyal pretty heavily if he's like you, human but pretty. Like, I mean, that's just, uh, being pretty isn't playing someone. But like, she also gets loyal to talk a lot and gets information from him. And I that's don't know. That's not hard to do. I just she's playing all of them. She's loyal playing likes Rand to talk. She's playing Rand the most. Yeah, but. Because she keeps telling Rand to, like, take the horn and be a hero. I just get, See? I don't trust her. That's fair. One thing that she does do with the horn is they, they encounter this statue. And Rand is, like... Rand loses his mind over the statue. He really does. He, like, he, like, thinks it's resonating with Sidene. He wants to touch it so much that he, like, almost just walks straight off a cliff. And his behavior is so concerning that Selene promises to never mention the horn again as long as he leaves the spear like leaves the spear alone. Right. Which I'm like, damn, his behavior must be real concerning. Yeah. For you to, to want to. She's been all about the horn. Quit your own concerning behavior. Yeah. Although then she basically immediately turns around as like, but what about the horn? Which like I kind of I kind of get because like if somebody's doing something that you think is really dangerous, you're gonna say what you need to say to get them to not do it. But like you gotta at least like wait twenty four hours before you go. At back. least wait until you get to the inn. Right. Because they go to an inn. Not even five minutes later, she's right. like horn. 
Right, and then she gets pissed, and that that's when they show up at the inn. They show up at the inn, and Celine's still pissed at him. And rather hilariously, the innkeeper is thinks like, that they're a couple. Yep, and that they're nobility. Which which maybe well, Celine maintains that she is nobility, but she thinks that Rand is nobility, and that Huron's his servant. And Huron also is kind of like playing into that a little bit. Not here specifically, but throughout the journey, Huron's been like, "I'm your servant, Lord Rand." Yeah, and Rand doesn't like it, but no. he plays along with it here. So they get some food, and they meet a captain who... Caldewin. Caldewin. First, Rand asks the captain if he's seen anyone around that looks like Moran, Moraine and Lan. Yep. Because he's paranoid that they're following him now. Of course. Fair. And then they talk a bit about the Age of Legends and the statue. So Which is apparently from the Age of Legends. It's... They're going to move that big-ass thing. Yeah. It's a whole... It's not just an orb with, like, a little bit of a hand. It's a whole-ass statue. And they're supposed to move it to the capital under an order from King Galadrin? Galadrin. Galadrin? Yeah. Galadrin Riotin. Which, like, uh, impressive. If you can manage to do it, I guess, go for it. I mean, the Egyptians built the pyramids. They didn't move them. (laughs) They just built them there. They didn't build them somewhere and then move them elsewhere. Moved big things before. Not big and buried things like this. It's a big ass statue. It's big. I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I mean, it, it very much strikes me as a like a king's just like I want it, and then it never happens because it can't happen. Or it takes so long to unbury that the like king king's dies. grandchildren are dead too. Yeah. Yeah. Caldwin asks Rand some questions, and Rand starts to answer them, but then Caldwin asks more questions and Celine's just like I'm done for the night. Yeah, she's like I would like to retire and I would like a separate room. And so the innkeeper thinks that like they're in a fight. <laughs> yep. And then later gives Rand some advice to like go knock on Go to her. Go to her. <laughs> middle of the night. Go to her in the middle of the night. And he doesn't he thinks about it. He does. And then he's he... like I should I should go to it. I should I should go talk to Celine. And in the then middle of the night. He thinks that Egwene would box his ears if she... She probably would. ...heard him think that. He's like, she'll box my ears. Also, she's I said I. She'll probably just gentle me. <laughs> like, come on, Rand. Chill out a little bit. Like, maybe she would... Maybe eventually she'll gentle you because she'll, like, go through all the I said I training and maybe she'll think that it, he needs to be gentled. Right now, though, she's a novice. And she's just gonna either try to throw a flame ball at you... Or box you on the ears because that's faster. Yeah. One of the two things. She's not going to gentle you right away. No, she has to learn how to gentle someone first. And that's probably going to take her at least three years. At least. But he doesn't He doesn't go to Selene. No. And the next morning, she's gone. And they get an escort to Kyrian. Like, 50 soldiers. Again, Rand just keeps ending up in, like, large bands of soldiers who think he's a lord. <laughs> and they think it's partially because of something that they call the Great Game. Days to Mar. That... This is some sort of maneuver from Caldewin. Yes. That is a recurring theme in Kyrian, is that everything is part of the Game of Houses. Which sounds very Game Game of of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. This book came out first. (laughs) Not that it isn't just like a general theme. You play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Well... There's a game of houses. Is that the theme in Kyrian? Is you win or you die? 
it's I don't know if it goes that far, but there definitely is like large amounts of political maneuvering and saying things without saying things. And Selena's from there, which may be why I don't trust her. Because yeah. she's playing the great game. She, yeah, she's playing the great game. And that probably also has to do with why she disappeared. Yeah, because she, she doesn't trust Call to One. Right. That's the only thing in her note, which she doesn't sign, but you don't really need to sign it. No. Uh, yeah, they get they get escorted. A, a lot of stuff happens with Rand. There's a statue. There's an inn. He steals the fucking horn of the leer and the dagger back from Pat and Faye. Which happens way earlier than I thought it would. It's not back with Rand. It's not back with Matt. But he's got the horn. Like the the Matt thing is still probably gonna take a while to play out. And like I acknowledge that but like i thought maybe he would get one of them back early and it would take forever to get it to matt but he wouldn't be able to get the horn or like the horn wouldn't be there or like i don't know i just didn't think he has the horn he could just blow it what would you what would he get out of blowing the horn preventing pat and fane from doing it yeah i guess but the horn is supposed to like summon dead heroes what are you gonna do with a bunch of dead heroes on a random ass field in Kyrian? Be like, hi, you're famous. Is it like kind of like a one and done thing? Like, no. So they just are permanently there in yours? I mean, they're not there for like ever, but like they, they, they hang out for a bit. I don't know. Just like, I just didn't think it would happen this soon. That's fair. I mean, we are roughly halfway through. We're, we're a yeah. little bit, a little bit off of being halfway through, but. It just happened so. It's just, I expected it to be more towards the end. There's a lot of stuff. Because it is the Great Hunt. It is the Great Hunt. Although now Rand is being hunted. That is something that we, we leave off when he steals the horn and Pat and Payne's like mobilizing the Trollocs to go after Rand. True. There is a, there is actually one more POV that I didn't write down because it was just so short. Like a, like two paragraphs. It's like two paragraphs in Fane's head when he's just like, I'm mad. I'm mad. Rand is too far away to know exactly where he is, but I know the general location. Yeah. He and the Trollocs are going after him. He like is basically is, to all the humans, he's like captured and gathered along the way. He's like, yeah, you're gone. We're going. Yeah. So. Not even yeah. like the Trollocs are going to eat you now. It's just like, eh, whatever. We're leaving you behind. Right. I think he kills them. Probably. It wouldn't. I mean, it would be weird of him not to. That's fair. Like, in, it wouldn't be weird for a person to do that, but it'd be weird for Pat and Fane to do it. He True. kills Fades for fun. He does. So. So then we're in Moraine's point of view. Here we get, we don't get Moraine's story time. We get Moraine researching story time. Well, we get a little bit of Moraine and Land story time. Yeah, but that's more of like reminiscing. Yeah. She's not going, listen up, you backwoods fuckers. She's going, hey, remember that time you dunked me in a lake? And then she dunked a lake on him. Yeah. Which, you know, Fair. sure. I mean, it sound, from, from the way Land was telling it, it sounds like Moraine kind of deserved to be dunked in a lake. She like <laughs> snuck up on him. So we dunked her in a lake. Yeah. It's land. What are you going to do? But yeah. that is under the pretense of, I guess, like softening him up to basically tell him that his bond will be forcibly passed to another Aes Sedai when she dies. Right. And it's, she's and it's set up to compel him to go to that other Aes Sedai. Yep. So that he, she said it's explicitly like, so that you don't suicide yourself trying to avenge me like some idiot. Right. We get... I, I am surprised at how little of the bond we get. Like, we're getting, like, little tiny bits of the bond here and there. And this doesn't really give us anything new, right? Because Moraine dies and Lan is gonna, gonna try and avenge her. Yeah. 
But like we do, we there is one little bit that we get in their fight because mom and dad are fighting. Mom and dad are fighting. Magic mom and sword dad are fighting. Yep. And I don't like it. Nope. I don't like a lot of this section, just emotions wise. Mom and dad are fighting, and then Nynaeve goes through an ordeal. Nor yeah, Nynaeve goes through an ordeal. But yeah, mom and dad are fighting, and there's something that Lan says at some point that like she has. She fundamentally disagrees with the whole compelling, like using the bond to compel him to do things. Right. So why is this the one time she's like, oh, now it's fine? Well, because I think she cares about Lan. She does, but he's pissed. And yeah. rightfully so. Like, oh, you're passing me off? Like, I think they're both right. The person that she's passing him off to isn't even who the bond will be transferred to. She says that... They're going to pick who your bond is transferred to. So you, they're just... They'll, they'll pass it. Myrell will pass it on to somebody else. Like, when... you're not going to stay her order. Right. And so he's like, so I'm just some sort of parcel now? Right. They both have points. They, and I think they both have good points coming from different perspectives. I like. I just think that there's... A, if she can compel him to do things, why not compel him to not be dumb instead? Because I think the bond has to be active for that sort of compulsion to work. If she mm. dies, he's not bonded to her anymore. He can't be compelled. Okay. So she's passing off the bond to Myrell and Who's setting up a to compulsion. Tell him to come to her. Right. And I think that that is coming from Moraine caring for Lan enough to not see him go, I need to avenge Moraine. Yeah. I just. I. I... I feel more for land in this moment. Oh, yeah. Well, this book is like the start of Moraine being like more transparently to the readers manipulative. Yeah, because she's manipulating him in this sense. It's like their entire relationship has been built on this mutual understanding and her not using compulsion on him. Right. And it, it should be said, I think, that both things that she's doing to the bond, passing it on and compelling are not things that are done frequently at all. He says that it's been a long time since the last bond was passed, and it's been longer since a warder has been compelled to do something using the bond. Okay. To do both things is very, very rare. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah. But, because then it goes into, like, there's that bit, which I do understand a little bit, but then they just continue to have this big blowout fight, which it seems like they don't have often. No. Because... Especially not around people they don't trust, which I think says a lot about where Moraine is. She clearly has a lot of trust in this Adelius and Vandine because they're seeing actual emotions from Lan and Moraine. Yeah, and because they go into this, like, Moraine starts questioning Lan's loyalty, and she feels bad about doing it, but she's just like, I just need, like, there is, it's a little bit of a vulnerability in her own head, like, I don't like that I'm doing this, but I just need to know why Right. he's... Why he helped Rand so much. Yeah, because she's like, I didn't tell... Like, I didn't... We didn't talk about this, about you helping Rand and teaching him how to be a borderlander, basically. Like, where did that come from? Why did you do that? I was able to make it work for my my purposes. It it came from Rand being Taviran is where it came from. And and that's what he says. He's like, maybe... I mean, he's Taviran. Maybe I felt... The Taviran pull, but I just did what I thought was right. I thought yeah. that Rand needed someone in his corner, which is just like, oh, Lan. Yeah. It is nice to see Lan be not just a rock. He clearly cares 
about Rand. And yeah. Maureen knows that he cares about Nynaeve, too. He just he cares about these Emmons Fielders now, which she doesn't like. And she feels like jealousy, specifically targeted around Nynaeve. Yeah. Because, and she says it's like, I feel jealousy because of Nynaeve, because of how much his caring for her has changed him. Yeah. I, I She's jealous of Nynaeve, but I do like that she's not jealous of Nynaeve because she wants to be with Lan. I think it's because, like, she, Lan is turning into a person that she doesn't recognize. Yeah. And she's had this bond to, La- like, I think she's worried more for their bond. Right. Not because she wants to be with Lan in that way. Right. Because she specifically says, like, I've never felt any jealousy towards anyone who shared his bed before. Right. And because she and Van Dien have a conversation about what's happening between her and Lan. And she's like, I, I'm not in love with Lan, basically. Yeah. Like, he's, I've never he's, been in love with Lan. He's my warder. And I think warder is a is a better term than friend because in the past and now it's very clear that Lan is the only person that she can she feels she can fully depend on. Yeah. She can she knows the Amerlin. She and the Amerlin go way back and she can trust the Amerlin with a lot, but there's nobody in the world that she trusts more than Lan. And the jealousy I think comes from Lan maybe starting to not feel that same level of trust towards Nynaeve and some of it's going to or sorry not feel that same level of trust towards Moraine and some of it's going to Nynaeve yeah I think that's part of it I think it's also just I think she's worried because Lan is starting to develop these emotions to the people of Emmons Field and if he has these emotions towards them then he's going to be a lot more hesitant to let Moraine use them right and she's very much a person who's gonna do what she feels like she, she has to needs do. to she needs to maneuver Rand and I don't necessarily disagree with that like she's gonna have he's to he's the dragon reborn he's the dragon reborn she's gonna have to use him right. that's kind of the point like he is a tool right but at least she's being a little bit transparent about it and Rand know he's knows he's being used by Maureen yeah which it's not kind of like a it's not like a Harry Dumbledore thing where Harry didn't really realize that he was being groomed by Dumbledore for so long until he Right. Was sent to the slaughter. Rand at least knows he's being groomed to be sent to a slaughter. Right. Yeah, totally. Rand's also older and not a 11-year-old boy. Yeah. (laughs) And Moraine is much craftier than Dumbledore because she lets Rand know what she's doing, but also in doing that opens up a new avenue. Right. So I think she's just worried that if Lan starts to develop feelings for anyone it's gonna complicate things like he has he clearly has like possible he loves Nynaeve in like a romantic way and he truly cares for Rand in like a you know you're my sword son way yeah and I think Moraine is feeling that these attachments that Lan is forming could cause complications at the absolute worst possible time the dragon has been reborn the last battle is imminent yep now is not a great time to be developing these feelings. No, but I'm I'm sure enjoying watching him be yeah. human. <laughs> it's fun. Lan's a great character. Lan is my favorite. You mentioned talking to Van Dien. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned a little bit about why a fade would take something to Shadar Logoff. She, that was a question she yeah. asked. She asked Van Dien about Talman's head and the Dragon Reborn. We didn't really get any new information there. No, we it's... didn't really get we didn't really get any new information from her talk with Van Dien, which I was wondering why, why have it then. 
and why an editor let him keep that bit in the book. Because, like, if no new information... Yeah. If a conversation doesn't yield any new information, really, then cut it. Okay. But I guess the only information we really get is that there is no new information to get. Right. Events are just going to have to unfold. It could have been about five paragraphs shorter. But... Well, it's the Wheel of Time. <laughs> that was the one section I'm just like, why are we reading this? Right. At least, I mean, it does have the, like, trademark Wheel of Time, like, oh, fuck, this world is deep. Yeah, I guess. But it was there was literally no new information that I learned. Yeah, because uh, at, at one point, probably where the, the most information could have been given, Moraine asks Van Dien about Lanefear. And basically the information is, you, I don't know. you know about as much as I do. It's what we learned as novices. That's it. That's all we are That's all we know about. Right. And this could have definitely been a good opportunity to give a little bit more information about Lanefear. But we didn't. Yeah. There, the information doesn't exist, apparently. Yeah. The only thing I also can think that that scene, little scene served was that it provided enough of a lull for the drag car attack. The drag car attack. I think... One thing I do think it shows is that I said I don't know everything. That's also... It's not necessarily about what information is portrayed to you, more about what information isn't portrayed to you. Where Moraine, who clearly knows a lot, and Van Deen, who has, knows, knows more, right? She's able to give a lecture on Toman Head. Yeah. They don't know everything. Moraine yeah. went here to study, and she still can't find the answers. And then, like I said, it also serves for a bit of a break in that, you know, Lan gets pissed and storms out. To and go goes, swing a sword. To go swing a sword <laughs> with Van Dien and Ad... Adelius. Adelius's warder. Well, one of their warders. Yeah, I, I don't I, know who's it. I, it's probably... At, uh, no, it's Van Dien, because Van Dien's green. She just has the one warder. Jane, um, one warder left. Yeah, so he goes to swing a sword with Van Dien's warder, Jane, and... There is a cute little line that Van Dien says. It's like, Lan being here has reminded James that he's actually a warder and not just like a gardener. Because <laughs> <laughs> their cover in this, in this village is that like, they're just like, they're just old women living in a house, doing some gardening, occasionally helping some people out. Right. And so they're like sword training. And then he gets, he, he's, he's still pissed. So he goes to storm back into the house. And that's when he sees a drag car attacking Moraine. Right. Who's got, they have like a weird Dementor thing going on. Yeah, she's kind of paralyzed. She can't move. Like Right. And <laughs> Lan starts at attacking, and Jane joins in, and the, the drag car's, like, starting to scream at them and starts to paralyze them, and they're both just, like, remember death and stab it. <laughs> Which, if that isn't the most fucking Lan thing I've ever read. They both shout it, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, remember death. And then they stab it. And, you know, Van Dien checks on Moraine first to... The drag car basically tries to do the whole, like, oh, you're too depressed to do anything, but lands like, joke's on you, I'm or I've already accepted that I'm gonna die. <laughs> joke's on you, I'm already depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you can't do anything worse to me. You like these characters because they're depressed, right? <laughs> I like these characters because they're depressed, although that's the Stormlight Archive. <laughs> In the Wheel of Time, I like these characters because they all have PTSD. Yeah. Not that that's not also the Stormlight Archive, but they're just especially depressed over there. Anyway, <laughs> they kill a drag car. The weird thing about it, they couldn't feel it coming. Aes Sedai and warders are supposed to have a supernatural sense when it comes to creatures of the Dark One. This one was warded. And the only people who could have warded it was 
the Black Aja. Yep. And that's where we leave it because they're like, oh, well, destroy the body. Basically. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a vampire. And it's like, oh, gross. Mop it up. Yeah. It's a vampire. They got to get rid of it. Second reference for the podcast How many today. can we fit in to one episode? <laughs> Probably just the two. After they decide to annihilate the drag car body, we take a hard shift from conversation time to Nynaeve gets put through some trauma. Yep. She has to go through the tear angry all, which basically makes you face your greatest fears and you have to do it thrice. Yes. It's not often that I get to use thrice as a word and that was fun. I enjoyed that. Thrice is not a word that comes up often. This tear angry all shows you three things. It shows you awful visions that you don't want to see about your past, about your present, and about your potential future. It is like a Christmas carol, but with depression even further. Yeah. And all of them are bad. The last one is the worst. Oh, I the second I saw the word Malkir in the future, I was like, <laughs> I already do not like this. Yep. I do not like I do not like any of it. Yep. Uh let's do talk not a, like this. a little bit about some of the I guess rules about about becoming an accepted. Normally this is only for novices. Shiriam mentions to Nynaeve that this will be harder because you haven't had the chance to be prepared for it. You are allowed to refuse uh, three times, basically. But only before you've entered in, like, you could, there's, there, they had this conversation kind of outside, like, in the atrium of this yeah. hall. And they're like, she's like, once you enter this door, you go through and you do it all or we kick you out. Right. So, like, you can deny now, and you can deny this three times, but after that, we're also the, sending you back. Yeah, the third time you say, I don't want to do this test, you're you're out of the tower. Yeah. You don't get to be an Aes Sedai. The first time, a lot of people don't do it. The second time, some people still don't do it. But after those two times, you can still decide, I'm going to try it again. Or, or I, I'm going to go to the door again to do it. Once you enter an arch, though, you finish it, or you're done. Yep. And the test consists of, I'm pretty sure they strip naked, because there's a lot of, like, random ritual stripping. Yeah, she strips naked, and there is something to be noted that in the first pass-through, when she's in the what-was portion, she is still naked. Yeah. Which is clearly just a a figment of the vision, because in the other two, she's clothed. Yeah. So I think it just has to to deal with her vulnerability, possibly. Like, she feels exposed. Yeah. Uh, So the first arch... For her past is she's in she encounters Aganor in, in a, maze. a maze and she she runs away but then eventually starts chasing Aganor because she's naive and what's she gonna do? Get well, chased? she realized she she realizes she can channel and right. so she starts chasing after him with the power. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and oh. then she sees the door and she has to make a decision of like because something that they say each time before she enters is that you will only get one chance to leave. The door shows up. Once. The door shows up once. We'll get to that in a second, though, because I think that's actually false. So she has to, like, make this decision whether to go and continue to defeat Aganor or to go for the door, and she goes for the door. Right. The second yeah. one, she shows up in Emmons Field. She's been replaced by a wisdom who is, like, poisoning people. Yep. Poisoning anybody who doesn't get along with her. She talks to Marin Alvir, Egwene's mom, and they're going to go confront her, confront this new evil wisdom. But then the door shows up. And she's like a little conflicted and Marin gets very distressed. Like, don't leave. Like, right, don't leave me. She's going to kill me. Um, she's just, she's going to do awful things to the village. And Nynaeve has to leave her friend 
to die at the hands of an evil wisdom. Yeah. The third one. She she goes through the arch and she's in Malkir. And it's all pretty. It's all pretty. It's been restored to its former glory. And her husband, Lan Mandragorin, rides up on a horse. And you can feel she's like, she's already looking for the door. She's like, I want out. Right. But then she gets like swept up in it. He's like, they have children. And like, he says something about like, because she's like, no, this isn't real. And he's like, I know I'm not a great husband, but like, (sighs) this is real. And she's like, no, you're the best husband. And then she has all these memories of him being a good husband. Right, because this isn't just a vision. It's like a like an alternate reality. And, and she gets all of these memories of like, her life with Lan and the children and like what she could have if she if she only chose to have it. And I'm getting emotional. <laughs> and the gate shows up. I just want up. her to have that. I want Lan to have that. Yeah, the the gate shows up. And she, basically, she misses it kissing Lan. Yep. I mean, Kissing the vision of Lan. But she manages to channel and bring it back. Yeah. I don't think she's supposed to be able to do that. No. uh, When she goes through the first one, she channels against Agenor, and she comes out, and she tells Shiriam that she channeled, and Shiriam's like, don't do that. The last couple times, somebody went in there and channeled, they didn't come back out. Or they came back out and they didn't have their powers Right, they were burned out. But she manages to channel and bring the gate back, which I don't know what that means for her. She also comes out, so she does the, like, rosebud trick. The the trick that they were taught on the boat to help themselves open up to Sayar. She envisions a white rosebud with thorns. And she comes out of that third vision after getting furious and channeling to kind of, like, recreate the gate with scars in her palms from... They're thorns. They're not scars. She has thorns. Full on thorns in her palms from that rosebud. So they pull them out and they like heal her and she's fine. Right. But and then the Amberlin pours a cup of water on her head and she isn't accepted. Side note here: Nadine's kind of having her own hero's journey. Yeah. She's been washed. Each time she passes through the gate, when she comes out the first time. They say, like, you, you've been washed clean of sin you have done and sin that's done, that has been done to you. Crimes, you've been cleansed of crimes that you've committed and crimes committed against you. And then the same line that they repeat several times throughout this is, you were washed clean and pure in heart and soul. The second one, she is washed clean of false pride and false ambition. And then the third one, she is washed clean of ties that bind her to the world. <laughs> Yeah. She's not done the plan. She's definitely not done the plan. No need. Is she done with anything she doesn't want to be done with? No, Neil. And half the reason that she was getting through these gates is because she wants to take down Moraine. Which is also something, like, apparently you're not supposed to remember that you can even channel when you go into the tear angry all, which is why they were so surprised that she could. Right. One, you're not supposed to be able to, and two, you're not supposed to remember who you are while you're in it. Right. And she also remembers something from the maze while she's in this third one, which yeah. is something that's not supposed to happen either. Right. She's like, I'd rather this be Agenor. Right. I have which... some theories on this. It's a little weird. This is a, this is a little weird, and I don't exactly know why Nynaeve is encountering this the way she is encountering this. I will say that we go through another accepted test eventually. I assume Egwene's. Right, Egwene. Or Elaine, if we ever get her her POV. Yeah. Um, we 
So we have, a, we have another accepted test to contrast this one against. Yeah. Some of this, I think, is explainable by the fact that Nynaeve is just maybe the strongest person to have ever gone through these arches in this way. It's possible. She's the, she's the maybe one of the strongest women, the White Tower as it exists in like the, the current era mm-hmm. of the books, has ever seen. The Turan Grail is something that they found and kind of adapted. Right. They mentioned, Sherry mentioned that Turan Grail are generally speaking, very dangerous because they don't know what they do. Yep. Women who walk through this sometimes never come back. I mean, it could be because they miss the gate and they stay right. forever. Right. And, and some of this feels a little like a portal world. A little bit. Right? Where, like, what if something was different? Yeah. Could she have stayed with Lan and actually just lived that life? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's, is not it something the, that... it's not the real land, though. No. That's... Actually, uh, something I very much liked on a, on a reread is you, you can feel kind of Nynaeve's struggle, but he doesn't read like Lan. Yeah, he's too... He's too open. He's too... <laughs> I was going to say he's too happy. Also, yes. <laughs> but he's very open. He's like... He's saying the things that Nynaeve wants, wants him, him to, to be saying. Like, I or... love you. You're my wife. Right. Like... Or he's saying the things that she interprets him as saying. Either way, this version of Lan is being based on Nynaeve, not on reality. And, and it's something interesting that I think there was a moment, I don't remember if Lan said it, where in his fight with Moraine, where like she asks him if he dreams, like does he have a dream? And is this mm-hmm. like the life, be- he's, and he's like, every man dreams, but the sword is real. Fucking land. <laughs> and it's like, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> but he kind of mimics that. That line is mimicked in this third bit. I did not pick up on that. but A little, just like a little bit of like the, this. I thought the sword was the realest thing, but. Okay. This, you are real. Yeah. And so maybe he's just said the sword is real so many times <laughs> that we haven't seen. And so Nynaeve picked up on yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe like she does just really know him well enough to be able to put some of his words on him. Yeah. But I think like it doesn't read like Lan. It reads like a land that I would want Lan to be. Right. It doesn't... Because it, it reads like a land who feels content right. and is happy. And when you're happy, you tend to be more open. Yeah. And so maybe, like, he no longer needs to go suicide himself to save his homeland or Moraine because he's already done that and survived. And now he can, you know, have four kids and ride horses and kiss Nynaeve and... Just have a grand old time. Have a grand old time. Yeah. I want that for him. And so I was like, I don't want Nynaeve to stay here because I know that's not the real land. If both of them went into there and they're like, oh, wait, Wait, we're happy here? Let's just stay. Who the hell would would know what would happen if land went through? I don't know if that works for women who can't or for people who can't channel. But like if if it was just like a portal gate and suddenly they were transported into their like alternate selves and like oh we're happy here can we stay yeah let's stay yeah and they can be they're like you know together but no they're not together no it's just naive it would have been not cool no some some bad things would probably happen if naive's not present yeah and so now she is one of the accepted and she's gonna take maureen down it's her goal okay woman i would not stand in her way but i also really wouldn't stand in maureen's way 
I don't think that she's going to succeed necessarily. I think she might also drop that at some point. Yeah, maybe. That, That does strike me as a very almost like childish goal. It's if she's on her own hero's journey, she always she's gonna need a new motivation. But a hero always has like the wrong motivation. Okay. It's but like something that I when I was reading Save the Cat, mm-hmm. um, you spend the first half of the book trying to fix things the wrong way. Sure. And then you'll learn how to fix things the right way, and then you spend the third act fixing things the right way. So I think she's in still her very much up climb of trying to fix things the wrong way. There are 14 books. She's going to be there for a while. <laughs> yep. So that was all of the stuff in this section. Let's do some recurring segments now. First up, Min's Auras. There's nothing new. No, nothing new. No, I think we've hit most of them. No, we haven't. We haven't? Rand is still a giant old mystery, and so is... The only one we've finished is Lan. That's true. But he's a a relatively simple person compared to to Viren. Tom's hasn't been figured out. Well, Tom is dead. Tom's not dead. Just... You're just saying it? I'm just saying it. Tom's not dead yet. (laughs) Okay. No body, no crime. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So no no min auras. Uh, ship updates. Rand needs to get laid. So Rand and anybody that'll sleep with him. Yes. Cool. Yeah, because Celine really did a number on him. Yeah. Rand needs to get laid. Yeah. That's about it. I guess there's there's some Nynaeve and Land stuff here, but not like actually Nynaeve and Land stuff. Right. There, there is Land stuff and Nynaeve stuff where it's about the other one, but it's not Lan and Nynaeve. It goes into the same, like, like I. there are no new ships. No new I ships. I still ship Lan and Nynaeve. Yeah. I will always ship Lan and Nynaeve. And yep. Rand needs to get laid. Yep. So Rand and anyone. Rand and anyone. Cool. Favorite moments. Rand did Rand did a killing. He, he did a sword work on a bunch of Trollocs. He did. Very well. He did. That's my favorite moment. Slash, slash. Slash, slash. My favorite moment is probably Lan saying that Rand just needed someone on his side. I think that's really sweet. Yeah. And I love Lan. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, Lan's the best. So that was chapters 19 through 23. Next up in two weeks is chapters 24 to 29. We're getting past the halfway mark. Yep. We're We're definitely on the down slope. Yep. Even though we're going to Kyrian, and that feels like a weird lull, but it's the la- it's the back half of the book. Yeah, we're in the approaching of the, the bad guys closing in. Yeah. So that'll be in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>